0: What an awesome day to be in church today. Uh, summer season's coming to an end. How are we feeling about that, everybody? I know it's kind of sad, but how many love fall? Fall's an incredible season, an incredible season. How many love hoodie season? I love wearing hoodies again, jackets again. I love all that stuff. Uh, Excited season we're going into, uh, but uh, really we're starting a new series today called Hungry. Everyone say Hungry. We're starting a new series called Hungry. And really, my dad and I are having this conversation. My dad's our lead pastor. I'm our regional pastor here at this church. We're having this conversation. And basically, what happens a lot of times is there's a human behavioral pattern where essentially we go on vacations and we take summer off from work or a couple weeks off from work. But oftentimes what happens is we take a summer off from God. And so what we want to do is call the church back to get hungry about the things of God again. Mm And so that's what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks is really increasing our spiritual appetite. And before there is ever a harvest, write this down in your notes if you're taking notes. Before there is ever a harvest, there must first be hunger. What is harvest? Harvest is really an uh, abundance. It's blessing. It's opportunity. It's, it's we want to see a corporate hunger for our whole church. But before we see a harvest, there has to be a hunger. And so really we put these props up here is you got two different choices. You got the things of the world. Come on, Netflix, Oreos. How many love some good Oreos? It's my weakness. Whenever I see it in the house, I say, I rebuke you, devil. Get out. But then you have, uh, bread's not really super healthy for you, but, but, you have, but you have all these things. You have good choices. You have godly choices. You have, you have things that really uh, satisfy the flesh, but then you really have things that satisfy the spirit. And what we want to do is encourage you and to increase your spiritual hunger, to call you back to God again. And that's what we're going to be doing in this series. Does that sound good to anybody in the room? Come on, can we put our hands together and praise God for it? We're going to be, we're going to get back into the things of God. And so my assignment today is to really talk about that. And what I want to do is my prayer is, I can't do this with my own words, but my prayer is that God would increase our spiritual appetite. But I want to, I want to use a strategy and I want to use a text today to incentivize you to get back into great relationship and close proximity with god before we go into that uh, i want to highlight on church center app if you don't have that you should download that app Uh, if you miss any of the notes today i'm going to be speaking a whole bunch in a short period of time and i'm not going to be able to have time to kind of go back and and review or reflect on what i just said so you can go back first of all watch it on youtube or podcast but you can also download the church center app and all the notes are right there okay everybody I did my plug. I got it to the service coordinators. You guys thought I was going to forget that. Um, one thing I love about the Bible is the Bible is full of two things. The Bible is full of principles, lessons to live by, but it's also full of possibilities. I love that about the Bible. Is essentially there are conditional promises that God says, if you do this, then this will be the result. And I love this. If you apply God's word to your everyday life, I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. Now, I'm not saying that everything's going to be perfect in everything. I'm not, going to say, I'm not saying that. We don't subscribe to that theology, and we're going to get into that in a few moments. But I'm telling you, uh, we had this uh, pastor uh, at Pastors University where basically my dad and I went down to Florida for about three months straight. And this pastor, who's a great, incredible mentor, produced incredible lead pastors uh, in our nation. He says, never apologize for teaching people how to live blessed. Never apologize. And so what I want to do is I want to open up the scriptures today. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. For those that brought their Bibles, I want to open it up in their phones. I want to go to 2 Chronicles 26, and we're going to do a case study on a man named King Uzziah. Really, his name is Azariah, but his throne name was King Uzziah. We're going to we're going to learn some lessons from his everyday life, but I'm telling you, it's going to really help you. So the Bible is full of principles and possibilities, and I want to teach you how to live blessed. But first, we need to get the main thing, the main thing. So for the reading of God's word, it is always my custom. Would you stand to your feet? And I want to I read this to you today. Are you ready? Yeah. You ready for the word? Yeah. You guys going to talk back to me today or no? Yeah. Okay, great. The Bible says this, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. Come on, don't tell me young people can't lead. That was a great place to say "Man, I'm going to rewind. <laughs> Come on, don't tell me young people cannot lead you got a king in your household. you got a queen in your household. we got to raise our children like they are the answer to a nation. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. So he started young, yet he still had longevity. Come on, that's what we need nowadays. We need character. We need strong gifting. We need integrity, a blamelessness before God. But we need longevity from leaders. His mother's name was Jecholiah. She was born in Jerusalem. And watch this. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. I think this is so important, though, because how many know it would be, it'd be horrible to be successful as an American, but to be a failure as a Christian, is what good would it be if everybody in the world thinks you're successful, but God says, you didn't do right in my eyes, and if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you're in the church today, I know some people are curious about God, some people are kind of figuring out this whole God thing, and that's okay for a season, but for those that call themselves followers of Jesus, who cares what the world thinks? What does God think about your everyday life? What does God think about your decisions, the morals and the principles that you live by? He did what was right in God's eyes and then watch this, just as his father Amaziah had done. This is a powerful verse What we're gonna read next and this is the crux of the whole message. Next next verse. He sought God during the days of Zechariah. Who's Zechariah? Zechariah was his preacher, his pastor, his mentor, a spiritual guide, a spiritual leader over his life. And so watch, he sought God during the days of his mentor. Which gives us a little foreshadowing and insight to, we kind of can see, okay, well, what happened after Zechariah passed? So he sought God during the days of Zechariah. Who taught him what? Taught him what? The fear of God. I want to link something for a second because sometimes we can go past this verse and not see the link. So who instructed him in the? In the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. What a verse. Come on, I want you to say that after me. Say, as long as he sought the Lord, as as sought the Lord God gave him success. So what is that success? That's prosperity. It's, you see in, in, the, in the proper context, really, it's God's blessing and his hand of favor was upon Uzziah's life. And how many want the wind of heaven to be upon your life? Where anything you touch, God blesses. You guys can find your seats because I've got to teach this for a second. I'm not going to keep you up the whole time, but... I want you to see this in this text. Leave that text up there. So basically, Zechariah instructed Uzziah, King Uzziah, in the fear of God, and what happened? He, was, he walked in the fear of God. He sought God all the days of his life during the days of Zechariah's life, and what happened? He experienced the favor of God. So the favor of God and the fear of God are directly linked with one another. Are you hearing me? So the favor of God and the fear of God are completely linked with one another, and as long as Uzziah sought God god gave him success now we need to unpack this for a second because some of us have some weird theology about that word success now listen to me success in the kingdom is accomplishing your assignment success in culture is achievement how much money can i get how much resources can i accumulate how many things can i do and accomplish and that's success in the world's eyes success in the kingdom's eyes is assignment accomplishing that which god has called you to what good would it be to be successful in an area that god never called you to so some of us have a poverty gospel where we think as a Christian, God's gonna call us to other nations and we're gonna have to be sick and suffering for the rest of our lives and that's our portion as Christians. Let me just tell you, we reject that theology. Only three people reject that. Some of y'all need to get unbroke right now in Jesus' name. So we reject poverty gospel but we also reject the prosperity gospel which is that wealth and health is your portion for all the days of your life. The Bible says very clearly that there is trouble ahead. I'm not going to try. I'm, this is not an encouraging part of the message, but listen to me. There are going to be seasons of struggle in your life, and Jesus promises this. And either he is going to deliver you from it, or come on, somebody, he's going to deliver you through it. He's going to deliver you through it. This is the God that we serve. But listen, we don't subscribe to a poverty gospel. We don't subscribe to a prosperity gospel. We do see a prosperous gospel, though. It's, I need to tell you something, and you need to write this down in your notes. Is Listen, God wants you to win. He wants you to win. But some of us don't believe that. Why? Why would God want us to win? First of all, he would want us to win for our witness. For our witness. Is why in the world would we we be a poor representation on the earth if everything in our life is broken? What a terrible representation of Jesus to humanity. If God calls us to be salt and light on the earth, well, first of all, he says as light, don't hide your light underneath a bushel. You should be an example to all of culture. So he wants you to win for your witness, number one. I I, I can't help myself but, but to highlight, the Bible says so often that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he uses these people, these generations, to showcase his faithfulness. And these people did not live pitiful, miserable lives. These were prosperous and successful people because they were prosperous and successful because they sought God. And I need to remind some of the entrepreneurs, some of the leaders, some of the marketplace leaders in this house. Listen, God has not given you success just so that you can have money in your bank account. I'm teaching a somebody in here. Maybe it's somebody in Framingham. God did not give you blessing and success in his hand of favor upon your life so that you can accrue and accumulate all this ac- achievement, all this money. It's to be generous and you are blessed to be a blessing. Can I get an amen from somebody? You're blessed to be a blessing. So God gives you blessing and favor. He wants you to win for your witness. Two, for your well-being. What kind of father, what kind of father would want to see his son or his daughter not reach their full potential or to live miserable lives? What kind of father would do that? No, but he also cares about your witness. He cares about your well-being. He also cares about your work. Is he doesn't want you to be under-resourced to accomplish, listen, not your purposes. His purposes. His purposes. And God wants to see you win in all these areas. And success, according to the kingdom, is accomplishing your assignment. It's accomplishing your assignment. So we have to unpack this and do a case study on a person named Uzziah. And I want to pray, and we're going to get into it today. Father, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for today. I pray that this word would would resonate in the hearts of every hearer under the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord, that you would do what I cannot I cannot increase the spiritual appetite of our church family with persuasive speeches or stories or principles. You can't. And so I pray that you would do that today. Put me on like a glove. Use me, speak to me, and through me in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Amen Amen and amen. Dave, you're good, brother. Thank you, bro. Probably come back in like 15 minutes, all right? Um, I'm going to start off kind of hot and vulnerable. You guys go with that? The only way I know how to lead is transparently. Uh, I had a young lady come up to me recently, and uh, right after a church service, and she comes up to me, and she says, uh, P.D.F., can I, can I sit you down for a minute? Uh, I need like five minutes with you. And honestly, this is going to be a really hard conversation for me. Um, but And I, I'm just letting you know I'm going to cry immediately So we sit down. And she essentially just says, I feel incredibly rejected by you. And I remember thinking, wow, I did not see that. It came kind of out of left field. And she goes, I used to be in your house we used to be super close. I miss your wife. I miss your kids. I miss I miss just being close with you and your family. Did I do something wrong to you? Did I wrong you? Did I hurt your feelings? Because I, I I miss the relationship that we had together, and I remember that. And and she's like a essentially a spiritual daughter to me. And uh, to be honest, just life kind of passed me by. Like you know, we have competing priorities. Uh, I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. We have we have work things to do. Other people are. Uh, vying for attention and I'm not saying I'm good or all that I'm actually trying to highlight that I, I messed up and she comes to me and she essentially says "And I really appreciated the fact that this young lady said this she comes to me and she's like I miss you can we get close again and this is what this series is about without me going into all the dynamics of that relationship really this is an illustration of our relationship with God I think he's saying to so many of us I miss you I miss being in your house. I miss being in your everyday life. I miss sending memes to each other all the time. I miss, I miss all these things. I miss being close to you. Wow. Is—is Maybe there's some of us where you are close to God in one season, and sometimes we have drifted. Come on, all of us have a tendency to drift, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. And we are calling you back to close relationship and proximity with God again. That's what we want to do. But we need to use this man named Uzziah because he's 16 years old, And essentially, as long as he sought God, the Bible says that he was prosperous and he was successful. First, let me tell you a quick little story. Um, I I was playing basketball this one Saturday night. I'm preaching the next day, and uh, I go to basketball. I play ball uh, the night before. It's Saturday night. It's probably 8 p.m. I go to this outdoor park right near my house. And so I'm just shooting hoops, clearing my mind, walking through my message in my head. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up, and he starts playing basketball with me. And he goes, hey, you want to play one-on-one? And he's a little bit older gentleman. He's probably 40, 42 years old. I'm not saying you're old. Don't get me wrong. Some of the people just got offended by that joke. <laughs> I rebuke victimization in Jesus' name. So he's, uh, you know, he's older than me. How about that? He's older than me. He comes up to me. He's like, hey, let's play one-on-one. And you know, I'll give you a run for your money. He starts talking trash right off the bat. Well, if you know anything about my nature, I go, my man, I'm going to snatch your ankles right off the bat, bro. And, uh, you know. Humbly, I won't tell all the details, but I absolutely smoked this guy. Smoked him. And uh, after we played a couple games, I realized that he was doing the very same thing that I was doing. He's a local church pastor in in the area. And he was clearing his head to go play basketball, preparing for the message the next day. It was hilarious. I was like, what is going on right now? And so we have some great conversation. Uh, to be honest, he was going through some struggle in his church, and I actually got to minister to him right afterwards. It was, it was awesome. It was just clearly a God-ordained moment. Listen, for some of us, you got to not believe in coincidence. You should believe in God's providence. Yeah. Is God clearly knows what he's doing because we play, che- we play checkers, but God plays chess. I mean, he is like five, six steps ahead at all times. So in the process, this man comes up to me, uh, this man's talking to me, and he says, hey, you should come play basketball at the YMCA one of these times. And I go, oh, I don't really have a membership, but uh, if I can get in with you, like, sure, let's go play. He goes, bro, you're a pastor. You get in. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, the YMCA, it's a Christian organization. Pastors get in for free. I go, (laughs) "Word." I said, said, for real? What? (laughs) So I walk into the Franklin YMCA, the, the local YMCA. To me, I walk up to the front. And I go, hey, like, I heard, I don't know if this is real or not. Some of the pastors just got revelation on the front row. I don't know if this is real or not, but I'm a pastor, and do I get a free membership here? It was the weirdest conversation. And she goes, well, yeah, uh, you do. Uh, You get a free membership. I go, God is good. I said, what? And she goes, but I need to see proof of concept. And I go, I'm ready. And I brought my whole credentials right here. I brought the plaque that's hanging on my wall. I go, bam, look at it. Look at this. It says ordained minister from Connect Church. And she goes, you're good? And I'm like, "I, I am? So I just start walking in. I'm like, this place is awesome. So I walk in. And so I'm telling a couple people. And they go, bro, stuff like that happens to you all the time. And I go, bro, favor ain't fair, baby. Favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. I go, sorry, not sorry. I want you to be somebody like that, where you have coincidences, you have God's divine providence on your life where just these small little things happen all the time and you just are a blessed man or a blessed woman. Yeah. Listen, listen, I want you to experience that. I want you to be able to say beyond a shadow of a doubt confidently, the favor of God is on my life. Now, I use that as a small little example, but I can give you example after example that are significant things in life. But listen to me, favor is not just favor is not just boiled down to finances. Favor could be an opportunity. It could be an insight. It could be wisdom. It could be a strategy. It could be individuals that God brings into your life. I want you to be able to say it. Come on, I want you to say it out loud. Framingham, TC, online, I need you to say this out loud. The favor of God is on my life. Come on, everybody. The favor of God is on my life. I want you to walk in favor, but if you're going to walk in favor, you need to walk in the fear of the Lord. If you are to experience the favor of God... You need to obsess and really live with the fear of God. So what is the fear of God? Many people have a misunderstanding of what the fear of God is. The fear of God is this. It is not being terrified of God. It's being terrified of doing life without God. That's what the fear of God is. The fear of God is not being scared of God. He's going to strike me down with lightning. No, that's not the fear of God. The fear of God is essentially being terrified of doing life without without God. And Uzziah gives us a great example of what to do in one season and what not to do in another season. Is He is somebody that literally showcases to us that as long as he sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah, what happened? God gave him success. And I need to remind some of you, you can't do life by yourself. Your intelligence will run out. Your wisdom is limited. You are gifted. Make no mistake about it. But listen, God made you deficient by design. He made you deficient by design. Why? So that you could have a reliance and a dependence upon him. It's a genius move. It's a genius move. So all of us should hear this today. We are to both be like Uzziah in some seasons, but pay attention to the seasons where we start to get blessed. Because the most dangerous place to be is when you are prospering and when you are successful. Did you hear what I just said? And living in an affluent place like Massachusetts and areas like the Metro West, listen, all of us are in different categories and different places and spaces. But we are more blessed than than the entire world, by the way. And so when you are experiencing blessing, favor, and prosperity, it can be the most dangerous place you could be. Why? Because you forget where your help came from. You are not that gifted, we are not that smart, and God has helped us. Come on, has anybody believed in here that God has helped you, God has provided for you, he has has encouraged you, he has helped you along the journey and along the path. Well, this is a prophetic reminder to all of our church, you need to seek God again. You need to get hungry for the things of God again. But there are competing priorities with us. Uzziah is 16 years old, becomes King. Leads for 52 years, and what happens? He starts to get successful. He had experienced incredible success to the point where his enemies were defeated. He defeated the Philistines. He defeated the Arabs. He established, actually, inventions. So he was incredibly innovative. He, he commissioned uh, skilled craftsmen to essentially create archery, uh, uh, catapults, and he had a military that was over 300,000 people strong. This man was incredibly successful and whatever he did, he prospered. Until one day, and watch, throw up 2 Corinthians or 2nd Chronicles chapter 26, I believe it's verse 15. Do you guys have that up there, guys? 2 Chronicles 26, verse 15. I have it in my notes if you don't have it. Tell me when it throws up. There we go. Okay. The Bible says this: in Jerusalem, he made many devices invented for use on towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from walls. Now, this was an innovative process. So his, his city, his, his community, the people that he was in charge of were uh, blessed economically. Their military was growing. Everything was succeeding. And watch. His fame spread far and wide. For he was greatly helped until what? Until he became powerful. So when he got successful, when power and fame happened, what happened? It got to his head. And when it got to his head, what happened? He stopped seeking God. And what happens next? So up to the next verse. He stopped seeking God. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord, his God. And what did he do? He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So he was a king, but he was not abiding by the laws of God. So he was a king That basically said, because I'm so successful, because I'm so powerful, because I'm so mighty and all these things are being blessed because of my work and my hands, I'm actually going to function as a priest. And this was against God's law. So he actually offered incense in the altar of incense and priests courageously, there was 81 of them, 81 priests courageously said to the king, do not do this. This is not what you are supposed to do. The only person that we see as a king, priest and prophet is the person of Jesus. That's the only one in scripture. And so a king was separated. You're a decision maker. You're a leader. But priests are the people that walk into the holy of holies. This is, again, Old Testament. So he walks into this place essentially saying, I'm above God's law. Dangerous, dangerous place to be. And these priests courageously confronted their king. Why did they do it courageously? Because the king could literally say, don't you ever defy me again. Put these men to death, and they would be put to death like that. But because these priests, and this is what we need in culture today, because these priests decided, listen, I don't serve you primarily. I serve God first and foremost, and I am a citizen of heaven before I'm a citizen of you. I need to tell you that I'm going to stand for truth, and we need some Christians that stand up for some freaking truth nowadays. (laughs) Because our kids are getting attacked. There are some wonky ideologies and theologies going out there today. People are misrepresenting God left and right. And we need some truth to be taught from pulpits nowadays. Listen, it is not enough. I could go off right now, but I don't have time. Dang it. We need people that will stand for truth even when it's hard, even when there are consequences attached to it. These priests stood up to the king and said, this is wrong. This is against God's law. And they essentially said, I'm going to do this even if I face death now. And what happened? The king was furious. And the Bible says as soon as he got furious, what happened? Leprosy struck his head. He got struck with leprosy. Why? Because pride is the disease of the soul. But eventually God just gave him what he wanted. God gave him what he wanted. What did he give him? He gave him what he wanted and all the power, all the rule, and all authority. And it was all now on his shoulders. So he says, I'm taking my hand of favor off you. What a scary place to be. I'm taking my hand of favor off your life. Uzziah, you were my man to start. And you got prideful because you got successful. God was furious at him. And this is what he did. He goes, I am, I am furious at you. Why? Because I blessed you, and listen to me, everybody, and you forgot me. This is what God says. This is what God did to the man named King Uzziah. Is I blessed you, and as I blessed you, you forgot me. And so I heard it said like this, when God really wants to punish somebody, he gives you what you want. When he really wants to punish you, he gives you what you want. And King Uzziah got what he wanted. All the weight, all the authority, all the power... All decision-making power is now on your shoulders. And what happened? He got prideful. He got arrogant. He had a disease of the soul called pride, and eventually it led to his own leprosy, a skin-eating flesh disease that now he was in a palace, but now he's outside of camp and he can't see anything anymore. What a scary place to be. Why does the Old Testament exist? The Old Testament, the Bible says in Hebrews, the Old Testament is actually obsolete, meaning that now we're not under an old covenant. We're not under an old agreement. We're under a new covenant and a new agreement. What does this mean? This simply means that we now have a new priestly system, a new priestly system. I'm going somewhere with this, but for those that I never understood when I was was younger, what really living under the Old Testament law meant and New Testament law meant. So really nowadays we live under a new covenant, which now is a new priestly system. So now you don't have to sacrifice animals. You don't have to sacrifice, and there doesn't need to be bloodshed anymore because there was one person that gave his life as a one-time sacrifice once and for all because he was the perfect, blameless Lamb of God. So now you don't have to sacrifice and put to death things because of your sin, because Jesus was put to death for your sin, past, present, and future. Can I get an amen? That's the priestly system that now we operate under. However priests were mediators between God and man and so if you wanted to talk to God you had to go to a priest and he would speak to God on your behalf and bring you back a message. Well now the Bible says that you are a priest is that you can go directly into the Holy of Holies. You can go directly to access God the Father because the veil is torn and now you can speak directly to God. So this is the New Testament law. The Bible says the Old Testament is now obsolete but the Old Testament is for our learning. It makes us wise unto salvation the Bible says. Am I making sense? Is this helping, helping anybody so far? I have not even gotten to the main part of my message yet, and I have eight minutes. We're going to go quick. Um, this is imperative, and this is important because the Old Testament is for our learning. And listen, when you get blessing, when you get favor, listen, God can't trust everybody with favor. We all want it, but he can't trust everybody with favor. Why? Because favor can go to people's heads. It's just like money. It's money. Money, will not just, money won't change who you are. It will expose who you are. Am I, am I teaching good at, to anybody? Money will expose who you are. And so God, everybody wants favor, but God can't trust everybody with favor because it can go to your head. And Uzziah serves as an example for us of what not to do. And Uzziah experienced the favor of God as long as he walked in the fear of God. Again, the fear of God is not being terrified of God. It's being terrified of God. Of not having God in your life. Some people will do life without God. Some people will do life. Listen to me. And I'm talking to the dream team primarily. Some people will do work for God. But you're not doing work with God. Is you will serve God. And do so by serving the church. You know tithing. But he wants to do life with you. Not you do life for him. Am I making sense? He wants direct relationship with you at all times. And so he wants to be close with you. And so my prayer is that God would increase your spiritual hunger again. If you want to operate in the favor of God, how many want the favor of God on their life? Come on, there should be more hands than that. Come on, Framingham. Come on, TC. How many want the favor of God on your life? First, we've got to ask ourselves this question. And I defined it for you. What is favor? What is the favor of God? Throw up the text there, guys. Throw up the description. The favor of God is this. It is... Write this down in your notes as it comes up. Favor is divine preferential treatment. It's fine. I love this definition. The favor of God is divine preferential treatment, it is the tangible evidence of the approval of God. Come on, how many want to be divinely preferentially treated? Favor is divine preferential treatment. This is when God says, That's my girl. This is when God says, "That's my God. I trust that man, and I'm going to trust him with favor. Well, listen to me. You can't expect the favor of God if you don't walk in the fear of God. What is the fear of God? It is walking in obedience according to God's word, but it is constant pursuit with God because there are some things. Did you know that some practices, some behaviors, some words, some sinful habits actually grieve the heart of God? It grieves the heart of God. So as a result, God says, I, I love you, but I can't trust you. I can't trust you with this favor. I can't trust you with divine preferential treatment. Because listen to me, everybody. This is a good good little quote you should write down. God loves everybody equally, but he treats people differently. That's a nugget right there. He loves everybody equally. He loves you. There's nothing that can separate you. No, neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons nor anything else in all creation can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. God loves you. He's madly in love with you. But listen, he can't trust everybody. And so he loves everybody equally, but he treats people differently. And so listen, faith, I have just a bunch of, my mind's running right now. Faith is when you trust God. Favor is when God trusts you. Does that help anybody today? I want you to walk in favor, but first you need to walk and live with the fear of God. And we have lost the fear of God in culture today. Because culture says, I have to cut a whole part out of my message that maybe I'll do it at a different time. Culture says nowadays that tolerance is the message that we need to to preach. And listen, tolerance is honestly the, the message of the enemy. Is there is truth and there is not my truth. There is the truth, the way, and the life. And what God says, we must prioritize, and the canon of Scripture is closed, meaning there is nothing to be added to it or taken from it. You either believe all that God says, or you believe none of what God says. This is what the Bible stands for, and we need people to stand for the Scriptures. I rebuke that time in Jesus' name. James four four, Throw up the scripture there, guys. I'm going to go through this really, really fast. James 4.4 4 says this. "Is essentially you adulterous generation. You have flirted with the world. And if you are friends with the world, then you are enemies with God. Is if you are a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. I see three things. My mind works in lists. So I see there's three different types of believers nowadays. You have weak believers. These are people that have a saving faith where they are going to spend heaven in eternity, but they don't live for God on earth. That's okay for a season, and that's all right for a season. But if you are one, two, three years down the road in your faith, it's time to get out of a saving faith into a strong faith. Yeah. Where you're not just going to heaven, but you're actually living heaven on earth, and you're ushering heaven and earth on, on, uh, in your city today. But then you have, here's where, here's where it gets controversial. you got a weak faith, but you got a woke faith. This is where my Bible says this. My Bible says that you are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, not a victim of your circumstances. And woke faith is when you think everything is a detriment to you in, your, in society. It's when you think you are a victim constantly. The gospel does not preach victimization. It preaches responsibility and overcoming. And listen, that is not to say that you haven't been taken advantage of in your life. That is not to say you haven't been taken advantage of in your life, but we just believe that God can redeem all of that. Yeah. It is a woke faith. But listen, we have gotten into this what's called syncretism, which is essentially where there are religious beliefs that are merging with, other, uh, with our, Christian Judeo, our Judeo-Christian values. Where we are allowing paganism and hedonism to infuse with our cultural kingdom principles. Yeah. And nowadays you see Christians that look so much like the world and you don't know if they're worldly or godly. This is a woke faith. I have so much more to say on this point. But for the sake of time, I have to move on. But then you have wise faith. And this is where God wants us to live. It's to live by principles and to live by promptings. It's to be sensitive to the voice of God. But listen to me, everybody. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9 that the beginning of the fear of the Lord, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He wants us to walk in wisdom. How many want to walk in wisdom? Well, we have to. If we want to experience the favor of God on our lives, you need to walk in the fear of God. So what is, the fear? what is the favor of God? The favor of God is divine preferential treatment. It is the tangible evidence of the approval of God. Genesis 6, 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Luke 2, 52, uh, Jesus, walked in, Jesus grew in wisdom stature, favor with God and favor with men. So you can't earn favor, but you can find favor. You can't purchase it, but listen to me, everybody, you can position yourself for it. Favor is the most important tool in your tool belt. Favor could do what hustle never could do. Some of you guys want to work so, so hard. Listen, you need to learn how to operate in the favor of God. You need to take a Sabbath and you need to rest. It is a violation of God's commandment. So you need to take some rest. Working seven days a week. I don't know why I'm going off on this, but I feel like the Lord has prompted me to do it. Going working seven days a week communicates that you're on the throne and God is not. It is simply saying that I am going to rest in my own strength, in my own efforts, and I'm going to hustle, but favor could do what hustle never could. I wish I had 52 people right now that gave God some praise to say, I'm going to rest in his strength. This is what the favor of God can do for your life, and you need favor. Come on, somebody shout, I want the favor of God on my life. So what is favor? Divine preferential treatment. How do I find favor? That's the question we got to ask. How do I find favor? It is simple. Is you got to give God what he wants. What does he want? You have to learn how to speak. Listen, everybody. Speak God's love language. What is, what is a love language? This is a term coined by a doctor named Gary Chapman. He wrote this book called The Five Love Languages. Anybody familiar with that writing? For those that are not, let me summarize it really quick. Five different love languages. You have physical touch, you have words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, and quality time. I don't have time to go into all those, but essentially they're, they're for the most part, pretty self-explanatory. And all of us, as Dr. Gary Chapman says, we all have a top three. We all have a top three. Uh, I think it is so evident and so clear what God's top three is, by the way. And I want to give you God's top three love languages. Is Listen, here's the, uh, here's the principle is you should not teach people to love you, but you should teach them how to love you. Because all of us receive love in a different way, and shape, and form. Right? So just because physical touch might be my love language uh, doesn't mean physical touch is my guy's love language over here. You know? So we have to speak God's love language. What is God's love language? Well, let me just tell you something. For sure, God's love language is he's a words of affirmation kind of God. I need my keys. I need to, I need to make me sound spiritual quick. God... Is a words of affirmation kind of God. And listen to me, this is just naturally challenging already, so I'm going to just keep going forward with it and step on some toes. Listen, the word of God, what you're getting right now is a gift from God to you. The word of God gives you direction. It gives you clarity. It gives you focus. It gives you answers. But listen to me. The word of God is God's gift to you. Worship is your gift back to God. The problem is, though, many of us don't prioritize worship. And we show up late to church. (laughs) Eddie I love you so much brother the problem is though is we don't prioritize worship because worship doesn't get much for me it's not for you worship is your gift to God it is praising and honoring the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end He is worth our worship. And you need to get good at, I don't really feel like worshiping. That's the best time to do it. That's the best time to do it. You need to praise God for his goodness, and you need to worship God for his greatness. Why? Does anybody have any reason to go back and reflect on your life and say, God has been so good to me. And he deserves my praise. He deserves my honor. He deserves my worship. Come on, can we take a 10-second praise break for a second and honor God for his faithfulness? Come on, some of us should not be in church right now. I shouldn't be held on a pulpit. I shouldn't be on a pulpit. I shouldn't be holding a microphone. Some of us would be dead right now if it wasn't for the grace of God. Some of us would have broken marriages if it wasn't for his grace, if it wasn't for his whispers, if it wasn't for the goodness of God. And I don't know how people go through life nowadays. Going through life without having a healer next to them, a redeemer next to them, somebody who has saved their soul, set them up for eternity. I don't know how people do it nowadays. God is a words of affirmation kind of God. And you need to get good at praising the name of God, lifting up his name, shouting from the rooftops, this is my God in whom I love. God is a words of affirmation kind of God. Make no mistake about it. Second thing, for sure, he loves receiving gifts. He's a gift-giving kind of God. Come on, anybody have that love language of receiving gifts? Thank God my wife doesn't have that love language. Let me just say, my bank account is blessed as a result. The greatest gift you can give God is the gift of faith is at the core of who God is. Listen to me everybody. At the core of who God is, his greatest desire for you aside from knowing his son Jesus and spending eternity with him is this, is that you believe him. Did you hear what I just said? The greatest thing that you can give God is your belief. This is what faith is. Faith Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Throw up the text there guys. Is faith. Is it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. God at his core wants to be believed. He wants you you to take him out of his word. He wants wants you to believe in his promises and his principles and his power. So if God says it, that settles it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say that again. If God says it, that settles it, I'm going to do it. He wants to be believed. I love this definition of faith. It says faith is acting like God is telling the truth all the time about everything. I'm going to say it again. Write this down in your notes. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth all the time about everything. Why? Because faith without works is dead. Meaning, your works are not evidence of, your works is not get you to salvation. It doesn't get you to heaven. But your works are a result of the evidence of having salvation. Faith without works is dead. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth about everything all the time. God wants the gift of faith. He wants you to believe him. He wants you to believe him. And third, final, no doubt in my mind, this is God's top top love language, is quality time. Quality time. What, did, what does Uzziah teach us? Is that as soon as as soon as he got prosperous and successful, what happened? Is God's hand of favor came off of him. God cares about time with you. He wants to spend time with you again. He's saying what that young girl said to me, and I had to repent before her, and I think many of us need to repent before God today. He says, I miss you. I want to be in your home again. I want to be close to you again. Can we be in close proximity again? Here's here's a couple of scriptures for you. Uh, Can you throw up the scriptures and psalms? I'll just go through them quick. The lion's uh, in his pride. The wicked man does not seek God. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. Watch this. God's definition of wickedness is not adultery. It is not cheating. It's not lying. It's not stealing. It's wickedness is a man who does not seek after him. That's strong. Here's another one. Here's another one. In his pride. Go back, go back. Oh, that's the right one. You're right. I'm sorry. Go to the next one. I'll fall. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come on, God is searching for those who are seeking God. You will lack no good thing. If you seek after God, come on, I'm talking to some business leaders in the room. If you, are, if you, if you search after God, God is not going to give you prosperity, success, and blessing just so you can accumulate a bunch of wealth and a bunch of wisdom and a bunch of knowledge. No, you need to serve people, you need to love people well, and you need to prioritize His purposes. God is searching for those who are seeking And I'm just going to believe that through a prayer that I'm going to lead you through now is that God's going to awaken a spiritual appetite with you. And if you want the favor of God, you need to walk into the fear of God, but give God what he wants. Words of affirmation. He loves the gift of faith. and He wants to spend quality time with you. Is that helping anybody today? Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I want to read this quickly I've, I've actually I've seen, I've seen preachers do this and I, I wrote a little, little manifesto a little statement of faith that I see I was just praying for this message and this is, what I, this is what I saw you can close your eyes you can keep them open if you want it's up to you I wrote this out prophetically I see a church that pursues God in seasons of struggle and in seasons of success I see business leaders and entrepreneurs who diligently seek God in the early hours of the morning and have favor upon their businesses and serve people into the kingdom. I see mothers who wake up in the middle of the night and plead the blood of Jesus over their children. I see fathers stepping into the mantle of priesthood of the household again, ministering to their family at dinner before bed. I feel the spirit of God in the room today. I see young people who devote their youth to serving God, not the American dream. I see the older generation who open up their hearts and open up their homes to spiritually parent a younger generation that never had parents. I see our church dedicating ourselves to the scriptures and not allowing the world's foolishness to infiltrate our homes and our decisions. I see our church sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and living by the principles of God's word. Connect Church will lead with humility in our approach and tenacity with our mission, just like Jesus did, as both a lion and a lamb. I see a church who is hungry again for the things of God. I want to pray now for you, and I'm going to dismiss all the campuses in a moment, but I want to pray three things. I want to pray that you recognize that God's helped you in your life. You did not get here by yourself, And I want to lead us through a prayer of repentance that we need to get right with God, just like I did with that young lady. And I'm so grateful she honestly confronted me. She says, I miss you. I want to be in relationship with you again. And then we need to receive the love of God and the favor of God upon your life. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, Father, right now, do what I cannot. Now with persuasive speeches, principles, or words, I pray that you would increase a spiritual hunger for my brothers and sisters across all our locations, even those that are watching on, on YouTube and podcasts, even later in the future, Father. I pray right now that you would do a supernatural surgery. Come on, worship team, come behind me. I need to increase their sensitivity. I pray that there would be a supernatural hunger that would occur inside of this house. Lord, that we would neglect the things of the world. We would not choose Netflix and, and foods and in the foolish things of the world, and we would be a friend of God again. So, Father, right now, we recognize our blessing and the favor has come from you, Lord. And we repent of our sin, of foolishly trying to do life by ourselves. So what I see, Lord, right now is that many men and women, older generation, younger generation, are going to get in their quiet place again and give you what you want with quality time. So right now, Father, come on with every hand lifted. Hands lifted, hearts lifted. Framingham, TC, I'm still talking to you. Hands lifted, hearts lifted. Come on online. Is right now we receive the love of God. We receive the love of God. God is not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He misses you. And he's simply just saying and whispering to you, I miss you. I want you back. I want you close. I want to be with you again. I want to be best friends. I want to be in constant communion with you. I want to be in communication with you. I want to be close. So right now, for my brothers and sisters, receive the love of God. And I declare, with all the authority that you have given me in heaven, praying through this message, I declare the favor of God would be upon their lives. That favor and blessing would not ruin them. It would not draw them away from the Father. It would actually draw them closer. And I declare that for my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Framingham, TC, online, I'm going to dismiss you right now. We love you guys. God bless you. For all those in the room, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to receive it. We're going to worship, and we're going to move forward. But if you've never received the love of God, understanding who Jesus is, what he's done for your life, right now is your time. You need to receive that today. I'm going to count to three and ask you to shoot your hand up boldly and say, that's me. I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute. I know the Spirit of God has been whispering to you, prompting you. If that's you, three, shoot your hand up and say, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus. I thank you, sister. I'm so proud of you. I thank you, sister. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. We're so proud of you. Is there anybody else? Thank you, brother. Thank you so much, my friend. God bless you. Is there anybody else? Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Repeat this prayer after me. Come on, stand to your feet, everybody, and we're going to worship and we're going to celebrate. We're going to give God what he wants, words of affirmation and singing it. I ask the team right now to sing um, nothing else. And we're just going to sing this song and declare it boldly. Father, we love you. We receive your love, Jesus. We prioritize you and we repent of not prioritizing you. And today, moving forward, we're going to pursue you all the days of our life. We love you, Lord. It's your son's name we pray.